Welcome to They Might Be Librarians, a podcast of the Plainfield Guilford Township Public Library. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Hey everyone, we are back and better than ever. We've got some amazing things to talk about today on the podcast and we have some wonderful guests here as well. Uh, I am Lauren M. I purchase adult fiction and I catalog here at the library. I'm Lauren W. I'm the Teen Central Supervisor. I'm Maureen and I am an assistant in the children's room. And I'm Cassidy and I'm service intern for the summer. Yay! We're very excited to have you, Cassidy. That's right. Thank you. All right. So today is going to be just a little bit different from what we normally do. Um, We realize it's only halfway through 2021, but there have already been quite a few things that have come out, books, movies, TV shows, podcasts, stuff like that, that have really grabbed us. And so we wanted to talk about the best of 2021 so far. And then at some point, I am sure we're going to start geeking out about a whole bunch of stuff. So (laughs) you're going to hear a lot of cool stuff that's going on right now in 2021. Uh, So the first person that I want to talk to, actually, uh, Lauren, you had said that one of your books is an adult book. I know. I'm here with a surprise for everyone, and that's the fact that I've actually read adult books this year. <laughs> um, so the book that I read that I put on my list, I've read more than one, surprisingly. Um, but this one is People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Have any of you guys read her yet? No. No, oh. but I have it. It's sitting on my shelf at home, and I'm very excited. To okay. It. Well, that's good because it's really good. Good. Um, I read it while I was on vacation. I saved it. <laughs> and um, it's so good. It's it's such a change for me to read about people my age. So that's like already like it gets me in. So I read her last one about a 29-year-old when I was 29. And this one's about a 30-year-old now that I'm 30. So I'm like, woohoo! Actually, people my, in my own age bracket. Um, but it's about um, Poppy and Alex. They meet in college and they start going on trips together. He's kind of like a curmudgeon. He's me, I think. He's He likes to... <laughs> sit and read on vacations, and she's like the go-out-and-party kind of person. So this book is kind of talking about how they kind of fell out over time. So there's 10 years of, like, flashbacks to old trips and stuff and pieces and here and there of those. But then it's talking about this trip that they're going on now, and she's trying to, like, salvage their relationship because they haven't gone on a trip in a long time. So it kind of shows you their personalities and how they've interacted over the years as it goes. And it's, it's really sweet. I liked it a lot. That is sweet. Yeah. yeah. And I just really like Emily Henry's writing style. I've read a couple of books by her. She's done some teen books, and now she's doing adult books. And she just writes so well, and she really creates characters that, like, even if I would never be friends necessarily with somebody like Poppy in real life, I really liked reading about her. So um, highly recommend people we meet on vacation. So hopefully you read it soon and let me know what you think, Cassidy. <laughs> I know. If I get a chance and I, the mood strikes, I'm anticipating some thrillers. So Ooh. might put it off until a little bit later. But we'll You can see. use it as like a palate cleanser yes, in between. between them. There you go, yes. yeah. yeah. What about you guys? What have you guys read that has been great? So one of my favorite books that I read this year um, is The Valley and the Flood by Rebecca Mahoney. And it's a YA book. Looking at Lauren. Um, And it's about a girl named Cass who, as the story starts, drives out into the desert and she discovers this kind of mythical, magical town. It's really interesting the way it weaves together, like the way 
there's these ancient towers and it's kind of a like surreal fantasy um, with some very like real world themes of loss and grief and how to um, learn how to deal with those and kind of accept your life as it is instead of how you remember it. So I really enjoyed it, um, especially for that kind of like way it wove together magic and things that people do deal with on a daily basis. I like um, that there's a lot more um, fantasies that are kind of more complex and showing mm-hmm. real-life stuff, but also in a fun, kind of escapist way, but still dealing with some really serious stuff there. Yeah, good. absolutely. And kind of memory and how we remember different people and different events differently is yeah. another big theme in that story, and I feel like that's kind of a, a thing at the moment in some YA books that I've read recently, so yeah. it's really cool. Well, cool. Thanks for yeah. sharing. So one of my favorite ones that I've read so far this Year, um, Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boulier. Boulier, I'm not sure what the pronunciation is, um, but it's about an indigenous teen from a tribe in northern Michigan. And basically, what happens is she's had some traumatic events take place. Um, her grandmother had a stroke, her uncle died of what they believe to be a drug overdose, um, and she finds out that. Meth is infiltrating her community, and so she actually becomes an undercover informant for the FBI and tries to figure out, using her knowledge of her Ojibwe medicine and things like that, where the meth is coming from, who's making it, and she tries to take care of her community because she's worried about all of the terrible things that could be coming from that. So it had a lot going on in it, but it did it really well, and I switched back and forth between the book and the audiobook and really enjoyed both. So if you're looking for, like, a YA thriller with maybe a little bit of romance and just, like, everything else in it besides fantasy, I think it's a good one to check out. Cool. The probably my favorite book this entire year so far is uh, Leslie Jordan's How Y'all Doing. I don't know if I've heard of that one. Oh my goodness. Okay, so uh, do you guys know who Leslie Jordan is? Yes. Yes. I think he's like teeny tiny, like really spunky personality. Yeah, yeah like he's older. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's he's an actor, and he definitely is. He, he's he's my height. He's five feet tall, okay. and. Um, is yeah spunky hilarious like his his comedic timing is fantastic um he got his like big breakthrough was on will and grace um and then just recently he became this uh huge instagram hit and it's hilarious how this happened he left los angeles to go home and take care of his mom in tennessee during the pandemic and he was bored and like, he'd had agents and PAs and people, anytime he was on a, a set, if he would do something funny or whatever, they'd be like, post that. And so he was like, I don't know what you mean. Do you mean post, post it? Nope. What are you talking about? But they, they told him about Instagram, and so he decided to explore it a little bit more while he was bored. And um, he would always start his um, Instagram videos with, well, I can't say exactly what he says, but it was basically, well, how y'all doing? And he became this huge sensation on Instagram. And so he wrote this book. He tells the story of how he became the huge sensation on Instagram, but he also talks about just different parts of his life, growing up in Tennessee, going out to Hollywood to establish a career. And it's, it's, 
poignant, but it's very funny, and I highly recommend the audiobook because he reads it, and oh, his delivery nice. is just impeccable. There was one thing that he talked about that it, it's a little adult, so I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but I was driving when I heard it, and I practically had to slam on my brakes. I was laughing so hard. So maybe it's not the best book to listen to while driving <laughs> if, if you're like me and whatnot, but it is, it's... It's very uplifting, it's very sweet, and it made me laugh, and that's something that I've just, I've wanted to do so much. I've wanted something that can make me laugh, and he really brought that for me in this book. And if you don't have a lot of time for things, the book is also pretty short. It's, there's a lot in there, but it doesn't take very long. So if you are rushed and don't have a lot of time, this is a good one to sit down and read or sit down and listen to. Sounds good. I like your, you'll have to put an advisory on the audiobook of like, don't listen while driving. Yeah. <laughs> Add that to it. Sounds really good. It's really hard to come up with like the best from the year. I feel like there were some, there's been some good ones, but one that I got to read as um, an advanced copy is My Contrary Mary by Cynthia Hand, Brody Ashton, and Jody Meadows. Um, I don't know if you guys have read The Lady Janies, any of those. Mm-hmm. Maureen's nodding. Cassidy's shaking her head. All right. I know them, but I've never read You know, of them. them. Okay. Well, I highly recommend those, too. So I was really excited because I thought they were done. They did the three that they were doing for the Janes, and I thought they were done, but I saw that they're doing My Contrary Mary, and I was like, all right, I have to have this. Um, Lauren, do you know anything about them? You're just kind of looking at me. Well, I've I've read um, My Plain Jane. Okay. My Plain Jane. Okay. So My Contrary Mary is set back closer to um, My Lady Jane. So this one's about Mary, Queen of Scots, um, and it has shapeshifters again, um, and it's very interesting. I don't really know history all that well. I've never been. It doesn't stick in my brain. So I liked My Lady Jane um, just because it was goofy. I liked the way they broke it up. They had the whole, like, this is actually historical. Here's some, like, kind of deviation from history, and then, okay, we just made all this stuff up, and it's all fantasy now. Um, so, like, that book was great. This book doesn't kind of, it doesn't really break it up in that way since you've already been introduced to the world. Um, but it does really just deviate from the history. So it kind of shows you some of the problems that she had with people and, like, different, all the different countries and brewing war and stuff. But it was kind of fun the way it just totally deviates from, like, actual history at all. Like, there's fake deaths instead of real deaths. And also it kind of conflates everything all into one time period. And the three characters that you get the points of view of are Mary... Um, and then all of our handmaids are named Mary, too. So oh, okay. there's three other Marys as well. Um, we have King, or I guess Prince Francis, and then we have um, Ari, who is the daughter of Nostradamus. And so she's making, like, potions and stuff. So it's it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it if you like history as well as fantasy. It's a lot of fun to kind of see an alternate history kind of thing. But I just really like the way they write and narrate, and they talk to the readers, which is always a thing that I enjoy if it's done well. So it's one of those books that just makes you laugh. And I've been obviously looking for lighter and happier books this year. I didn't have a great start to the year. So I've been reading a lot of lighter stuff Mm -hmm. than I normally read. And I've been really enjoying what I've found. So with the Lady Janies, is that like a... I know they're about all different ones. Yeah. But is there any continuation between them? Like, could you read just one out of... Yeah, you can read any of them. And... Um, My Contrary Mary has some people from My Lady Jane in it, okay, which is kind of fun, but I don't, it wouldn't have meant anything to you if you hadn't read it. It wasn't, you know, not a problem, but yeah. So the first one's about, uh, you know, a Jane from back then. Oh my goodness. I can't think of who Lady the... Jane. Lady Jane Grey. 
Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. See, I really know history. And then we've got um, Jane Eyre. Yep. And then we've got um, uh, Calamity Jane. So they're all completely different. You can okay. do whatever you want. Because one's werewolves, one's shapeshifters, and one's ghosts. So it's great. <laughs> I love that. Highly recommend all of them. And the audiobooks, I think, are pretty good, too. Uh, one kind of sci-fi-ish book that I read this year that managed to actually like do something that I've never been able to say before in a book that I loved was uh, uh, Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. It's it's set in it's set in the United States, but it's a it's a little bit different world. In this world, um, people can buy what they call AFs, artificial friends. They are robots, but they look human. There are just certain things that they can't understand because they, they they allegedly don't have a concept of love and they're not independent like they have to be told to do things stuff like that uh and clara is an af and she the first part of the the story is her in this store that sells afs and then she eventually is taken home by this teenage girl who is very ill and doesn't always get to to go out of the house and whatnot so they really wanted to get her an artificial friend so she would have a companion but this is all told from the point of view of clara and I love how we we see her developing relationships with people. She is a robot, but you forget it half the time because her thoughts are actually really deep. It's not just the, you know, target acquired type thing. It's it's like she has she has emotions, she has deep philosophical thoughts. And she doesn't just develop a relationship with this girl, she develops a relationship with her mom, with her dad, with um, her best friend. And the feat that this book uh, was able to accomplish that I've never been able to say about any other book that I've ever read is it had a perfect ending. Mm. I know. Like, I just, I cannot imagine the ending being any better. It was just, it was beautiful. It was well-written. It was satisfying. I, I just, I loved the ending so much. What was the title of the book again? Clara and the Sun. Okay, because that sounds really good. It is very good. It's it's not terribly action-packed, so if you are an action reader, this might be a little bit frustrating for you, but if you like character development and you like story and interpersonal thoughts, this is a very good option for you. Hmm. That sounds a little bit like the Murderbot series, which is one of my favorite series from the past few years. It's a little more like traditional sci-fi, but it's narrated by this artificial intelligence who um, hacks its own system so that it can watch dramas. Um, And it's (laughs) incredibly funny and snarky, but it also has this really like reluctant affection for a lot of the humans that it interacts with. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this kind of running joke through the series that different fans have made about, oh no, Murderbot has to have an emotion again. Um, (laughs) So if it sounds like that might be a nice one to recommend if you have either read Murderbot and want something similar or vice versa, maybe. Mm -hmm. I assume that name is ironic. Um, Yes. It was created as like, a murderous robot, but it gave itself the murder bot name because it doesn't actually want to do any murders. So. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> doesn't want to do any murders. I like that. So I don't read a lot of sci-fi, 
But one of the things that I also don't read a lot of, that I have read a lot of this year at least, some narrative nonfiction. So in like February and March, I went through a period where I just binged all of these nonfiction audiobooks. Um, and two of my favorites were Good Morning Monster um, by Katherine Gildener, and then Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. And I don't know if you guys have listened to any, either of those, but they're both told from the perspective of, well, they're both authored by therapists, mm-hmm. and it kind of goes into detail about, you know, some of their patients. And at one point in my life, that had been something I thought maybe I wanted to do. So The Good Morning Monster was about five different people who really had to come overcome some huge struggles in their lives. Um, like, there was one boy who, until the time he was five, he was pretty much spent all of his time in an attic. And then, as an adult, he wanted to form relationships with other people. So she, he went to the therapist, and they kind of worked through that. Um, so that one was just fascinating, the way that like the human mind can overcome things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then maybe you should talk to someone was about the therapist's actually experience in therapy herself. And so that was pretty cool to see, you know, she would talk about her clients and then would take that information and talk to her therapist and think back on it and be like, oh my gosh, like I had these thoughts about my client. Is he thinking about me this mm-hmm. way? And, um, basically she, she gets out of, a a long-term relationship and is trying to figure out what to do next because she's in like her late thirties, early forties and has a son and you know, she's just trying to figure out what's my next step, what's going to be best for me. So that was something unique that I tried earlier this year and ended up really enjoying. Cool. It's nice when we veer out of our norm and actually really enjoy something new. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, If you are into true crime, I have a fiction book that might be up your alley. I was talking to um, Joanna earlier because I know she's super (laughs) into true crime. And I was like, well, this is fiction, but I think you're going to love this one. It's uh, Girl A by Abigail Dean. Um, it's, It's the story of this woman. It opens with her dealing with the death of her mom. Her mom died in prison. And the reason why she was in prison in the first place is because she and this woman's father, when this, when our narrator was, um, was young, they kind of became religious nuts and they believed that everything that went wrong in their life was due to sin to the point where they, they, they got so crazy and had to have so much control that they started, they, they, they were starving their children, they chained them up. They were not allowed to leave the house. Very similar to something that happened out in California a couple of years ago. But the, the st- this book, it, it's sort of a dual narrative. It, it's her as an adult, and it opens with her as an adult, and trying to reconnect with her siblings because they have to settle the estate of their mom. But then it also flashes back to her childhood and it starts with things being relatively normal and okay, and then progresses to the horribleness, culminating with her being the one who actually escapes from the house and gets help and brings in the police on her parents. Mm. So it's 
it's kind of gut-wrenching, it's kind of disturbing, but again, if you're into true crime, this is a fiction book that will totally be up your alley. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, and there were a couple of just absolute, like, slap-you-in-the-face wham lines and plot twists, and it's just like, okay, I gotta sit back for a minute. Gotta take a break. Yeah. <laughs> nope, sounds like something that you would enjoy reading. I know, I like things that are twisted and dark, like the book I'm listening and listening to the audio now of The Lost Village by Camilla Stan. It's, I talked about it in a podcast earlier, that it's a documentary film crew mm. going to this village that six, 50, 60 years ago, just everybody in the village disappeared and no one knows why. And so they're trying to like solve the mystery of why everyone disappeared. And it was described as Blair Witch Project meets Midsummer, And it's definitely hitting a lot of the Blair Witch stuff. <laughs> And I'm, like, maybe a third into it, and I'm like, yes, this is, yes, I think this is going to be on my best of list. Well, if we're talking about dark stuff, I guess, well, not in the same way. I, so <laughs> I, um, I read Lore by Alexander Bracken. I don't know if you guys knew about that one coming out. I got a nod from Cassie. Yes. All right. <laughs> um, but, so this, somebody pitched it as, um, like, Hunger Games meets Percy Jackson, and I think that's that's a better look at it than just being for, like, for Percy Jackson fans, because it's just really, um, there's a lot of actual fighting and blood and, and gore and death in this one, um, and it's a big one too, but it's a standalone. So, like, if you're looking for a standalone story, it's really, really good with the mythology, and so the whole premise is that every seven years, there's an Aegon, I think is how you pronounce it, um, as punishment for, there were nine gods that rebelled against Zeus, so Zeus is punishing them. So, for one week a year, they have to come back as mortal, and then they're hunted by all of these um, descendants, basically. Um, and so it's down to just a few of the original, they call them old gods, at this point. And then if you kill one of the gods, you gain their powers. So um, once the week is up, you get to live your life as a god. Um, and then, But then when the seven years is up, then you come back and you're one of the hunted ones. So it's just this continual cycle. Um, and so the main character, Lore... She has gotten herself out of this whole thing. She's hidden herself away because her whole family was killed. She's the only one left in her bloodline. And she just does not want to be a warrior anymore. She was trained to be a warrior from a young, you know, as a young child, and she doesn't want that life. So she hid herself away. Um, but then an old friend, Castor, comes and finds her and needs her help. And then Athena comes and finds her and wants her help. So she's just kind of dragged back into all of this. But it's a really good... I thought it was really good. It's very action-packed. There's a lot of good differences in um, characters and how they approach everything. Um, and speaking of good endings, like your book mm -hmm. earlier, I thought the ending was pretty good. Um, so it it makes you realize, yes, this really is a standalone, as opposed to some of those standalones where you're like, um, are you sure? Like, <laughs> maybe you're coming back? I don't know about that. So I appreciated that at the end of this one. I know all the Rick Riordan books are still really popular in the children's room, and we have a lot now of new mythology kind of tie-ins coming mm. out. Some of them are in his publishing, Rick Riordan Presents, but then there's also just more that are kind of popping up recently that I'm pretty excited to right. read. Yeah. I like that I haven't gotten to read some of the Presents ones yet, but I like that they're kind of becoming more diverse in the, the mythology that they're presenting. Yes, absolutely. And they're doing a really great job of finding people who are from that background yeah. to write about their own mythology right. and their own culture. Um, so it makes it really exciting to read some of these stories, like maybe more richly than we would have been able to otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that. I mean, 
as somebody who hasn't read them, but I want to sometime. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot coming out in the next year or so, so definitely check it out. So I will say that I read Lore, and I don't think I enjoyed it as much as her Darkest Mind series. I don't know if maybe it's because it was a standalone or what, mm. but I really, really love the Greek mythology. Yeah. Like, it's not been something that I've been super, that I've paid attention to, I guess, since I was in, like, sixth grade and we read the big <laughs> yellow book of, like, the Greek myths or whatever. Um, but I just found that that added, like, a really cool element to this world that yeah. I wasn't. I mean, I knew it was in there, but I didn't realize, like, how much I was going to enjoy it. And I had, liked kind of referring to the charts in the back and the front yeah. and seeing all the family trees and who the descendants were. And I just thought it was a really cool play on Greek mythology and a neat way to incorporate it in kind of a newer way with the whole, like, killing the gods thing. Like, you don't really think of that being something that would happen because, well, they're gods. Right. So. Well, yeah, and it's it's interesting, too, because you see different personalities of the gods, um, whereas, like, so Percy Jackson presents everybody as lovely and, well, maybe not always lovely, but a little bit lighter, obviously, right, because it's for a younger age group, whereas this one's, like, everybody's just brutal and ruthless, so. <laughs> and, like, Athena, I mean, she's the goddess of war, or she's, yeah. Wisdom. Wisdom, Wisdom. okay. Yeah, I was trying to have some And I don't know, I just... I never pictured her being as she was represented in the book. Like, she was cutthroat. And, <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty cool characterization. Mm-hmm. Athena is one of the earliest female literary badasses, let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> yes. All right, and so now we're going to uh, Lauren W.'s favorite part of the podcast, which is what we're geeking out about. And I will tell you what I'm geeking out about, I think also falls into the best of 2021 so far. It is a Korean drama that you can watch on Netflix called Vincenzo. And I think I'm going to talk to you, Lauren Weddle, about it. I have not. Oh, goodness. I thought I was telling everybody about it. So uh, basically, it's the story of this uh, Korean man named Vincenzo Cassano. He, he was born in Korea, but he was adopted by an Italian family. And then he he ends up becoming the uh, consigliere, like the, the Tom Hagen in The Godfather, uh, to the Italian mafia. He is an attorney, but he also works in the mafia. He's And it establishes right at the very beginning that he is a very ruthless individual with a moral code. And after the, the dawn of his mafia family um, passes away, he goes back to Korea. And there, the, the driving force of him going back to Korea is there is this building that he and a few other compatriots years before had they'd built a basement and they had stored a whole bunch of gold bars like billions of dollars worth of gold bars in uh, this basement and what he wants is to get there by the building move all of the tenants in the building to another building safely destroy the building and pull the gold out of the rubble but i mean it's it's a drama <laughs> lots of complications ensue he starts to get to know the people in the building, and they're all the, they're, they're a whole bunch of colorful characters. And he also gets to know um, the um, this father and daughter duo that um, they're both attorneys, and then they're going up against this um, really evil company called um, Babel. 
they're, they're into like pharmaceuticals. They're, they've got their fingers in the news and just, they're very corrupt and, um, very dangerous. Like they're, they're a murderous lot. And the really cool thing about this show though is, I mean, it is the story of, uh, someone in the mafia taking down an even more corrupt and evil organization than the mafia. Hmm. So it, it is, it is dark. It is kind of violent, but it's also funny. Like this show veers back and forth between serious drama and comedy, like flawlessly, but also on a dime. It's, it's fantastic. I, I absolutely love it. And you can watch it on Netflix. Uh, there are 20 episodes, but be prepared that each episode is like, an hour and 20 minutes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you get your money's worth in every single episode. <laughs> it's quite the content. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I've been trying my hand at gardening. My husband banned me for a couple of years because I planted gardens and then never tended to them. <laughs> so I am back at it. Um, he had every right to do that. That was my bad. So I just want to throw <laughs> that out there. Um, but I planted a bunch of stuff in little starter pods that I got at Lowe's this year. And almost all of those died. So I will not be getting those starter pods next year, I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. But from seeds in the garden itself, most of the stuff has grown. I tried chives and celery and um, green onions, but none of those grew, so I'm going to have to figure that one out. But I have some zucchini that's really going at it. I saw some zucchinis budding today, so I was excited about that. I have some pretty hardcore carrots and some nonsense spinach that I may have ignored for three or so days (laughs) and just clipped today and had spinach that was bigger than my hands. Um, I, nice. yeah, I didn't think about that one. Um, and then only one of my lettuces survived. So I have some lettuce, like just a little bit of lettuce on top of my, a lot of spinach. So I'll have an interesting salad for dinner tonight. I can tell you that. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm trying to do a better job of informing myself of what I need to do for the garden and mm-hmm. not just, you know, let it sit there. Mm-hmm. But in my defense, every time I go outside, I get attacked by a dog. So between our next door neighbors have a dog that comes over, our backdoor neighbors have a dog she just barks at me she doesn't do anything to me and then across the street there's a great dane that can walk over the fence (laughs) so as a non-dog person it's hard for me to go outside and be at my garden (laughs) you just need to get a dog person to go out with you and play with the dog yeah distract him (laughs) that's fine i'll do that for you okay okay. i'll take care of him (laughs) take the hit Um, what about you what are you kicking out about mm, good question well, right now, I am pet-sitting for a bearded dragon, Ooh. and so I'm finding that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I had one when I was really little, but I don't remember it. But this one, she's, like, got an attitude. <laughs> and so, like, learning, and apparently she's getting ready to shed, I think, is what it is. Um, But she just, like, does not want me to touch her, and I'm supposed to play with her and, like, get her out and put her in her playpen. Ooh. And she just, like, gives me these, like, this death glare if I, like, reach in. But, I don't know. It's been really interesting and kind of gross because I have to feed her roaches and, like, worms and stuff. And I have the really long tongs to do it, but it it still freaks me out. They're not long enough. And they're, like, in my house. And so, yeah. But it's been really interesting watching her as she... She walked over and put her front paws in her little, like, water, um, like, water tub that she has in her tank. And it was just, it was really cute. Um, But also, she's kind of a menace. So, (laughs) (laughs) I've been having a lot of fun kind of learning about them. And so, I'll have her for a week and then 
I, you know, I'll probably go back to babysitting her every once in a while, but it's been fun too. I have, um, cats and dogs in the house and they are absolutely fascinated. <laughs> they just sit there and like stare at her in her tank, <laughs> which is probably kind of creepy, but you know, it's been a fun little thing to have her around, but I will be happy when she is back with her family too, <laughs> because, and I'm sure she'll be happier too, because I know that she just, I don't think she likes me, Aww. but I, but I've enjoyed watching her. So, you know, it is mm-hmm. what it is. It may not be a mutual friendship, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Maybe she's just intimidated by all the animals staring at her. She might be. She has dogs and cats at her house, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they're as big as mine are. Um, but she just keeps puffing up her beard great big, and it's really intimidating, and she just, like, stares at you. <laughs> and her owners told me that she might charge or try to bite if she gets upset, and that hasn't happened yet, but I've been very on edge, like, trying to pick her up because I'm worried that she's going to come after me. So I'll be having nightmares about that, but that's okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> So right now, um, I am really excited. The other day, we were kind of scrolling through Netflix, looking for something to watch, as you do, and we realized that um, there's now a fifth season on Netflix of Kim's Convenience, which is one of our favorite shows. Um, It's about a Korean-Canadian family who live in Toronto. Um, There's um, the parents, and then their estranged son and their daughter, Janet. And it's just a perfect, like, delightful, funny, sweet, warm-hearted show. There's a lot of different characters because they own a convenience store. So there's all the different customers that come in. There's, like, different vendors. There's people that they work with, um, people in the neighborhood. So we thought there were only four seasons, and it was just not renewed for another season. So we thought, okay, four seasons, this is it. And then, lo and behold, there's a fifth season. So we're really excited. We've already watched, like, six episodes of it. We're not good at savoring things in my house, I guess. We just, like, binge it, and then we're like, oh, no, there's no more. But um, I'm really happy about that. It's definitely one of my favorite shows, and it kind of fills that, like, Parks and Rec, Shit's mm. Creek gap okay. in my heart. So yeah. I was going to say, it seems lovely. And it's always nice to find that there's an extra season. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What else are you geeking out about, Lauren? So I, I don't know if this makes me a geek or a nerd. I'll oh. just start off with that. But recently, I... I so I, I was not like the, the hugest fan of this show, but I was, was interested in it. But I recently realized that Survivor has done... <laughs> 40 seasons, <laughs> which shocks me, but then I started thinking like, okay, so I know it started in the year 2000. Well, how much has the show changed from season one to season 40? And I have been doing like this on my own time, this sociological viewing of all of the survivors. I, okay, Lauren well, just put her I just she's face palm. You told me about this when yeah. you started it, so yeah. now I want to know how far into it you are. So, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been watching uh, from season one, and I'm trying to get all the way through just observing how things have been filmed differently, the attitudes that have changed and whatnot. I am on season nine right now, which was in filmed in Vanuatu, and what I found very interesting was Vanuatu and then, see, I think it was season six, which was in Amazon. Both both seasons, they started off with tribes divided by men versus women. And like, 
Amazon was so incredibly immature, like sexist, bordering on misogynistic um, in the, the men's tribe, just all the stuff that they said about the women. It was just like, oh my gosh, like none of you are okay with me. Like I kind of dislike all of you. Mm -hmm. And then in Vanuatu, they did the same thing, but there was so much more like respect toward the women. And it was, it's funny to watch how like in Amazon, Jeff Probst, the host was like, so, you know, you guys are here in first tribal council because you know, you, you lost the first challenge. Would anyone like to comment? And all the men can comment on is how hot the women are and they're being really gross about it. And, um, the next tribal council, Jeff, in the Vanuatu tribal council, Jeff Rhodes asked basically the same question, like, dang, those women were tough. <laughs> like, they really took it to us. They, they, I mean, respect. And it was just, it was just so interesting with, like, maybe three years difference, how much that had changed. Mm -hmm. And I realize it's, you know, sometimes it's also, like, just the different personalities, right. which also I'm kind of making a note of, but I really found that particular change interesting. Yeah. I'm season nine. I've got what, thirty one more to go. <laughs> Only thirty one. Yeah, that's great. It's it's probably the nerdiest thing I've ever done because it's not for a class. I'm not getting my PhD in anything. I just just decided to do this on my own. It's probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever geeked out about. But whatever, I'll own it. Hey, you need to do something with your free time, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's great. I did, I just remembered, I've been geeking out about um, this specific line of crochet patterns. So speaking of like a very niche thing, there's, um, there's these books that were created by an Argentinian um, crocheter and she has created these adorable animals. It's the animal world of Pika Powell. I don't, do you only knit, Maureen? Yeah, I only knit. Sorry. Okay, well, I'm very disappointed <laughs> in you, but just kidding. Um, but these are so cute. I made a frog already. His name is Victor Frog. Oh, they all have, they all have names and they all have very specific bios. So there's like Agatha B who has left her hive and she has become a tattoo artist, but you don't, you shouldn't tell her parents that she has gotten some tattoos, but her grandpa would approve. Aww. And then like Victor Frog who I've made, um, his grandfather was the frog from Looney Tunes and oh. he's in the showbiz, and he's best friends with Sir Ian McKellen and Sir Patrick... Um, Stewart. Stewart, yeah. <laughs> and he would love to be a sir, but he's not going to be offended that they both are, and he's not. <laughs> and, like, it, these bios are the most adorable things of all time. I made Hans Grizzly Bear, and he um, has moved into the city, but he misses some of his old food and stuff, so he's gardening, and he wants to make a restaurant that's based around chickpea recipes. Like, I just... Oh, this is fantastic. I love it all. So, like, I, I bought the second one because I can't find it at the library yet in English. And then I will buy the first one since I just love it so much. But I checked it out from here first. And it's just... They're all so adorable. Like, they're physically adorable. But also the bio is just make me want to make all of them. <laughs> because they're... It's a very intricate world. Mm -hmm. Some of them are, like, romantically interested in each other or working for each other's businesses. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, Yeah, it's always really neat when you find, a, like, a craft designer in whatever craft you do that you really kind of, like, love everything they yes. create. Um, and then you go through and, like, look at all of their patterns and dream about all the things you could make. That's right. If you had infinite time. <laughs> I, exactly. Yeah, I've made two, and I've been excited about it for, like, two months, but I just haven't had any time to make anymore. My next one is Darwin Turtle, so we'll see if I get there. <laughs> so that makes me think of something that's like, I don't know if you guys know it there. Do you guys know what Squishmallows are? No. No. Oh, wow. Okay, so they're kind of like the Beanie Babies of right now. So they, 
are just like plushies, but people are like going wild over them. And like they all have different names, different designs, and they all have the they all have bio tags and like okay. names that kind of that's what made me think of it. So I have a friend who like they release like seasonal ones and like hard to find ones and stuff. And she was like hunting them, collecting them, <laughs> going to all these different places around Indy trying to find these specific ones. And I don't know, it's just it's fun. I just like when things have a bio that like goes with them because oh, yeah. it's like like you were saying like a restaurant of only chickpea based in Greek like recipes so... like that's so out of left field right. but it's so cute um so I was just thinking about that I have a couple at home my dog likes to steal them and try and play with them oh, but no. I have some I have a Bigfoot his name is Benny and he is He's so cute. And then I have another Bigfoot, and her name is Brina, and she's, like, 20 inches all the way around. So she's massive. But I can't think of what their bios are right now. But it just cracks me up that that's, like, still a thing after all these years. So. Well, I think that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you for listening to They Might Be Librarians, a podcast of the Plainfield Guilford Township Public Library. Make sure you rate us, and make sure you share us with your friends. 